0: All right, we're going to get to three teams that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet in the Pistons, the Nuggets, uh, and the Kings. But we also, of course, uh, have some news to get to as well. uh, Lots of injuries piling up, sadly. First, I want to tell you about BetQL. If you want an edge over Vegas, download BetQL, the app you need to get an advantage this season. Discover value bets, line movement, and find out what bets the public backs with BetQL. The best part, BetQL is free to download from your mobile device. Head to betql.co, not .co, betql.co, and use promo code CAPSPACE for your three-day trial. Give yourself an advantage over Vegas and download BetQL. That's betql.co, promo code CAPSPACE. See, I guess we can hit the news first here. Where did you want to start?
1: Well, I think we should start in Chicago where Chris Dunn suffered a left MCL sprain and the current estimate is four to six weeks. That would be more of a moderate sprain. A severe one would be a longer absence. And so that means the Bulls are without Chris Dunn, Denzel Valentine, and Larry Markinen for a little while. And though it was done beforehand, one of the people who will shoulder some of that burden is Shaq Harrison. We talked about that a little bit, but the structure of the contract, because the Bulls did not have the ability to claim him off waivers, they guaranteed Two hundred fifty thousand 000 for the current season and then if he makes it to august 15th then he will have one hundred seventy-five thousand 000 guaranteed for next season so it's less team friendly than his the contract if they had been able to claim him off waivers but still pretty dang team friendly
0: yeah and no surprise that the bulls are also leaning towards using the stretch provision on Omar asik uh, per casey johnson they have only three million guaranteed for him next year uh but by stretching them they can reduce that to one million and they have big cap space aspirations for next summer as so many teams do and that will allow them to preserve as much of that as possible with him no longer on the roster and there's still the hope that perhaps due to a long-term injury exclusion that could be wiped out for them entirely that done injury likely a grade two mcl sprint of that timetable is a little shorter than you'll see sometimes for grade two mcls but keep in mind he actually finished the game uh and then got a precautionary mri and they're like oh yeah you actually have a pretty bad mcl strain uh so dunn has only played one game essentially now he he was on paternity leave before that so uh not looking good for the bulls who sit at zero and three Dunn at least gave them some defense at the point harrison can can do that too um and zach levine talking about how the offense they weren't getting the ball to the right people i.e him which is a fair criticism considering he's been on fire lately and done uh you know made some bad decisions down the end but uh this isn't going to help the bulls offense i mean they really with marking it out they've only got one creator in levine they don't have a ton of spacing bobby portis like they've been playing him some at center too wendell carter quietly hasn't had the greatest start to the season. Robin Lopez is looking uh, pretty tired at this point so uh things not going to turn around for the bulls hopefully they won't start 3 and 20 like they did last year with like one of the worst ever point differentials at the start
1: Well, and it also doesn't help that they face a really strong group of point guards over the next few weeks Kemba twice Steph Curry Jamal Murray but there are also a lot of really good point guards around the league so it's it's kind of hard to dodge him so we'll see where it goes from Chicago it is possible that this season goes off the rails fairly quickly but that's not necessarily a big surprise it is great that Zach Levine has been as awesome as he has offensively and we'll see where where it goes from there i would say the next most important injury is actually one we'll talk about in their game section so let's go to houston i mean houston is dealing with their own collection marquis chris is dealing with an ankle issue Nene with a calf issue and james ennis has a strained hamstring so they're starting michael carter williams
0: yeah and chris paul of course uh about to miss the second of his two games uh for being suspended the Nene news is not really good either you know he was missed all this time with the calf and then uh he's going to get an mri and that we'll see what happens there and ennis's hamstring hopefully not major but again those are the type of things hamstrings and calves can uh, be tricky and Marquise chris running out of time to convince the rockets to pick up uh, his fourth year option seems pretty unlikely that that's going to happen at this point um and but yeah, I mean, the, I think the lack of a backup point guard and then, you know, the, the Anthony Melton trade, they hoped that uh, Brandon Knight could be in the rotation for them. He still has no time to he really started doing some stuff, but, you know, still is not anywhere close to returning. Um, so I, and I think they missed Ryan Anderson offensively, too, with the, the spacing that he provided, even though he wasn't a playoff player. He really helped them in the regular season. Uh, next place I want to go here is... G League news The Denver Nuggets finally will get a G League team. It'll be in the Denver suburbs, back where the Colorado 14ers uh, used to play. I think 14ers refers to the number of 14,000 foot peaks in Colorado. Hopefully, they am call that again. That's a pretty cool name. uh And that then just uh, with New Orleans also establishing a G League franchise in Birmingham, which is further away than a lot of them are. Uh, but I think it'll play in Erie the first year and then we'll move into Birmingham once the arena is done being renovated there. So that will leave only the Portland trailblazers without a team, but it's fair. And you can make fun of them for that, but they've never been, you know, a cheap organization the way, you know, you can look at the nuggets or Pelicans as having been. And, the Blazers have probably done the best of just about any team of developing young guys who weren't playable at the start of their careers into rotation pieces. Jacob Lehman is the latest that remember CJ McCollum barely played uh, his first two years. They uh, developed Mo Harkless who they brought in Shaz Napier. yeah, Connaughton is another one although he's not playing now in milwaukee but he he, uh they got something out of him so yeah i mean they maybe their belief is just something that guys develop better just being around the nba team on the roster just developing more time for skills training and i do think it's it's a a legitimate criticism of the g league that the travel is so bad and the number of games i I think they should reduce the number of games in the g league or i think actually if i had you know players i was really trying to develop in the g league i might just like have them play like you know two-thirds of the games or something because you just when you're traveling that much you just can't work on your body uh
1: i might only have them play in home games that's probably what i would do
0: yeah i, I mean that's uh, something to think about but you know obviously you can't just like run everybody else for 48 minutes when you know but but i think uh, you could definitely do a, some more resting there anyway uh that's a little too philosophical uh what else we got here
1: iron man andrew wiggins uh had to leave the game on monday which they won against indiana with a thigh contusion he plays on wednesday against or he did the wolves play on wednesday against toronto i fully expect him to play just because i mean one of only two games against his the team he grew up you know following and so and he basically never misses game so we'll have to keep an eye on that and in that same game it looks like delon wright is going to be ready to come back for toronto which is great because even though the raps have great depth just having another capable piece and you know this is a very big year for right because he is about to hit restricted free agency just like his backcourt second unit mate fred van vliet did this past summer
0: yeah and it will of course be a very very crowded point guard market in free agency this year with the number of one-year deals that were taken last year and just some good players coming up regardless for the knicks emmanuel Mudiay may be cleared to return on wednesday with the ankle injury that's limited him uh for most of the season and camp but we'll see whether he projects to be in the rotation right now. Ron Baker, maybe is someone whose minutes, uh, he could take, uh, but you know, he has certainly not been particularly effective for the next other than maybe finishing at the room a little bit more, but he's got more upside than Baker does, uh, and for the bucks uh, thon maker we haven't seen him really because he's been out with a groin injury he's going to be active we'll see whether he gets into the rotation or not it seems like john henson you know the bucks are rolling right now john henson is the backup center christian wood uh, apparently is going to be inactive so maker will get a little bit of a shot uh and then dj wilson is out with a hamstring another guy who might be on the rookie option declined list uh, he's kind of running out of time and that it'd be his third year option which is the earliest option that can be declined What else we got
1: in the when it rains at poor's division, Jan Mahinmi left the Portland game with back spasms, a game Washington won. But it looks like he's questionable for Wednesday's game against Golden State. And Dwight Howard, as we talked about on the 15 and 60, did not make this road trip. So while he could theoretically meet the team at some point, it doesn't look like he's ready now. So that means probably more Markeith Morris at center. Jason Smith is going to have to take on some of those minutes. And, you know, this is it's a tough stretch. They can they can make it through it. They have before. But that's a lot to
0: ask of their remaining bigs. Yeah, but he and me had been kind of getting the Keith Bogans anyway. In Miami, yeah. Wayne Ellington won't be returning on Wednesday against the Knicks. Uh, he was going through shooter on over the weekend. It's unclear if he suffered some sort of a setback. But uh, we are going to see Justice Winslow probable to make his return on Wednesday from a hamstring injury he suffered a couple weeks ago. And James Johnson still with that. I don't understand why it has taken him so long to get back. Uh, when he had hernia surgery six months ago. Uh, but. He at least practiced two days in a row. He won't play against the Knicks, but he's getting close, um... The Grizz had a wonderful win in Utah, really held down the Jazz offense, and Chandler Parsons, who was actually in the starting lineup, was looking to be healthy, had to leave with right knee soreness six minutes into the game, and then uh, Dylan Brooks also left that game with foot soreness, so they are very thin now uh, at the small forward position. Maybe they'll see uh, prize free agent signee Kyle Anderson uh, play at the three, but that really is going to impact their shooting. Uh, Grizz D has been pretty good so far this year, but the offense uh, is a little dicey in atlanta john collins apparently you know there's talk oh he had this ankle procedure it's minor who knows it's not he's not be out long well he still won't be back for several weeks uh apparently and that's not a surprise he had a surgery uh and uh dwayne deadman he is going to make his season debut against the mavs in the luka Doncic Trey young bowl on wednesday uh and the hawks could really use him they really uh at center they've had alex Len, and then they've had a amari spellman and you know deadman is a big upgrade on either of those guys guys.
1: The other side of the Trey Young, Luka Doncic bowl. Dallas is going to be without Devin Harris and Harrison Barnes for that game. Devin Harris has a left hamstring strain. We don't have. I think he's definitely out for the next couple games, but then after that, it, we don't know. So that means more of a role for Jalen Brunson and Harrison Barnes. They're targeting Friday per Rick Carlisle, but Friday is after Wednesday, so he will be unavailable.
0: Yeah, Harris uh, was always a big injury risk. Uh, they signed him. They famously, not maybe not famously, but they did let uh, Yogi Fer. go to sign with sacramento by pulling his qualifying offer and they're relying on Jalen brunson now to give them good minutes he's been okay so far in their two and one start against admittedly mediocre opposition but you know we'll see as as a rookie point guard he is an experienced rookie but you know we'll see whether he's able to give them quality minutes or not at least usually they play with two point guard lineups so he's got JJ Barea with him there as well he doesn't have to have the whole offense on his back really bad news uh though out of Brooklyn Danny for one of our favorites
1: yeah Travion Graham torn left hamstring expectation is that he will be out for two months Brooklyn has lots of options on the forward spots but I still really liked what he could do there and he has a I believe his is structured as a non-guaranteed second second season. So he, hopefully he can has the chance to show something after that. But on the positive side, Shabazz Napier is going to be back on Wednesday versus the Cavs. They have plenty of depth at point guard, but they can always use more just like every other team in the league. The Nets are actually the example I've used for that for years. So that's that's exciting that they can get him back and we get to see him in the black and white. And Aaron Baines is looks like he's going to miss a couple of games due to his own hamstring issue, but it, obviously it's not nearly as severe is Travion Graham
0: yeah he's only doing light jogging right now and he's not going to accompany the team uh on their couple game road trip here so it, it sounds like it could be at least a week for him if not more and it'll be interesting to see you know maybe Robert Williams can get some time here Daniel Tice obviously is gonna play as well he hasn't looked quite as spry coming off of his own knee surgery uh, as he did last season so i'd like to maybe we'll get to see a little bit of robert williams but you know this would be interesting for boston who have already really kind of struggling with some minutes limits uh carrie irving shooting only 34 percent so far gordon hayward is on a 25 minute limit who knows when that's gonna be increased and so boston really you know it's not scoring nearly as well as it would have been hoped when you consider all of their talents uh also just somewhat interesting here uh darius basley gets a million dollar guaranteed from new balance with incentives that can push it up to 14 million uh he is going to intern for new balance uh while also just training he's not going to play in the g league this year he was going to go to syracuse and then pulled out of that to play in the g league and then kind of decided oh wait a minute i weigh a buck 35 maybe that's not a good idea to boost my stock so he's just going to kind of sit out do the uh, anthony simons approach and see whether he can get drafted. we've seen guys who sat out for a year still get drafted okay and and uh new balance getting back into the basketball shoe game it's interesting that they are choosing basley he wouldn't be my choice because i i think if he makes an impact in the nba it's you know it's certainly not going to be as a star but maybe they just like his story which i i do as well i i commend him for trying to do something different uh, rather than going to college
1: lower the age limit we don't need this stuff anymore
0: well one thing that you do need is indochino i actually need to post uh some of the wedding photos uh, on twitter because we got all of our stuff uh from indochino sport jackets for my groomsmen my tux uh, was from indochino as well and if you don't know about indochino yet they make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort and you can also personalize all the details the size of the lapel the linings <laughs> the pockets, the buttons. You can get it monogrammed. And now they're taking that same approach and expanding into casual clothing with made-to-measure chinos. $79 is the introductory price. And that's less than you're going to pay for a lot of chinos that aren't made-to-measure. They pair with anything, a suit jacket to a sweater, Sunday brunches, boardroom meetings, chinos are quite versatile. And... Of course, you can also go for their suits as well. Available for only $359 for my listeners at Indochino.com. You enter that familiar cap space code at checkout. Easy to remember, we talk about it all the time here on the program. And get 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Shipping is free. Go to Indochino.com and use that promo code CAPSPACE to get any premium suit for just $359 and free shipping. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code. Let them know that you came from us so let's start with a game that was probably the game of the year so far it just happened to be it's so interesting how they don't really have any games on tuesdays but i kind of really enjoy doing gamers on tuesdays because it lets us it, there aren't necessarily marquee games but we can kind of lock in on uh, some of the teams that people don't pay as much attention to and there aren't that many games so you can usually watch all of them in pretty good detail and i was this was the game of the year and this is uh, would shock me if this isn't like our game of the i guess we do like the first month and a half when we do our awards but i mean this was just uh, a ridiculous yarn between Philly and Detroit.
1: It certainly was, and the game took on a little bit of a different tenor because Ben Simmons didn't play. Simmons was unavailable due to back soreness, and so what brett brown did in his stead was surprising to me i guess you could say it from a continuity perspective they started landry Shamet. in Shamet. Sham yes i'm gonna get it i'm gonna get it right D- at some point damn it, Sham Sham it. it
0: that's that's how do you remember yeah
1: yep yeah. and so they started Shamet. brought jj reddick off the bench reddick we'll talk plenty about his game but they kind of kept that continuity and you know this this the starters had their had their trifles in this game but the story overall of this is blake griffin having the best game of his career excluding stakes but just in terms of statistical stuff the best game of his career
0: yeah Uh, i mean certainly you would have to look at his uh, series against the spurs in 2015 maybe as the high, but for griffin 50 points 14 rebounds six assists missed his first six free throws 5 of 10 from 3, 20 of 35 from the field in a 44-minute tour de force for Griffin. He was just killing the Sixers. And I said right at the start of the game, in my notes to myself, because I was by myself, uh, that I wanted to see whether Griffin would be able to take advantage of someone like Sharic, right? Like, that's, you know, a one-on-one matchup. And he was. He went right through Saric. It helped also a ton that Joel Embiid got two early fouls and then was a very very conservative until the end of the game uh, as far as trying to attack around the rim. and he also he has this personal matchup with Andre Drummond and so he was very concerned about keeping Drummond off the offensive glass and so maybe wasn't as attuned to helping as he normally would be uh but Griffin I mean he was just killing everybody he was hitting pull-up threes off the dribble I think he I think he hit six threes against Chicago and then five in this game uh, going right through Sharic going right through even uh, Mike Muscala and Amir Johnson they tried to put Joel Embiid on him late and then they went to four or five pick and rolls and Embiid just you know didn't really know the coverage to deal with that as the on-ball pick and roll defender and they had miscommunications they gave up two dunks off of that so they had to switch out of it although Embiid did a better job actually guarding Griffin one-on-one than anyone else did Uh and I mean, what do you, what do you think about what we've seen from Griffin in the early going here where he's looked very difficult to stop in a way that frankly, the last two seasons he has not,
1: he looked great. And I've been impressed with how the shooting and some of the development there has not impeded the other parts of offense that he did. Well, I thought his biggest highlights of this game, other than the last play were actually passes. He had some just spectacular interior passes to Andre Drummond through narrow windows and you know the type of thing that we were a little bit concerned about because the pistons don't have a ton of spacing but he made those work and the attention that Griffin justifiably received in this game created opportunities for other guys he only turned the ball over once so you think about the usage in terms of shots and assists only turned the ball over one time is fantastic and you know it's kind of funny that he in in many ways is having the early season that a lot of people hoped Kevin Love would have where give him the ball more a greater opportunity and I mean w- with the Pistons it's just because they they had this weird garbled season last year and he was only on the team for part of it and they fell out of it quickly but he's been phenomenal
0: and they really are almost using him now more like kind of a Ben Simmons or a LeBron James he's bringing the ball up a lot especially at the end of the game you know, attacking off the dribble uh, on switches most of his damage I mean he'll get into the post to be sure and use that big body but he's dribbling into position a lot of times almost never being used in as a pick and roll roll anymore uh and if if they do do that then they're getting the switch more than it is him sort of attacking from the free throw line, trying to throw the lob to Andre Drummond the way he used to to DeAndre Jordan we haven't seen much of that from him in a Pistons uniform uh you know, it's interesting that Toronto is like, oh, we're taking so many fewer mid-rangers. We're so much more modern with Dwayne Casey gone. But Dwayne Casey, he's getting the Pistons to shoot a lot more threes and encouraging guys to be very aggressive. And they're getting a lot more spacing, I think. I think that's really has helped griffin and we'll see i really want to see you know how he looks against some of the better teams uh you know with simmons out philly didn't really have anybody to guard him but part of that is he deserves credit for that because i think you know there are times when he was getting stopped by people like charge and wasn't able to be efficient and then also just this three-point shooting i mean it's been ridiculous he deserves so much credit danny i mean as someone who's kind of maligned, oh he's just a dunker blah blah like to make himself into this kind of a three-point shooter this kind of a skilled guy off the dribble uh is really impressive and you know we talked to on Sunday night's show about his chances for making the All-Star game and you know we'll see this is an early season blip he's had some favorable matchups uh we'll see if the Pistons continue at this pace i mean they're they're 3 and 0 but you know not exactly a murderers row and they're winning every game really close uh clearly if he keeps up this kind of pace he's going to make the All-Star team and, and the Pistons too but uh yeah i, I don't want to go crazy about this yet but he certainly is looking pretty good uh what else you got from this game it, obviously we got to talk about the end too but uh what else struck well,
1: you? I I mean, the Pistons had a lot of trouble handling the handoffs to J.J. Redick, which is surprising considering it's an absolute hallmark of Philadelphia's offense. And, you know, if you're going to coach kind of one thing, especially with Ben Simmons being out, I think somebody brought this point up on Twitter. I would give credit if I remember who it was. It's like, that's pretty much what you
0: would do. Oh, Schumann, and- Schumann.
1: Schumann. And Redick was getting loose all the time. He ended up with 30 points. 9 of 21 for the field, but you can have 30 points on 25 shooting possessions if you go 6 for 15 from 3, which he did also had 6 assists, no turnovers. And they now, without Bellinelli, do not really have a... Maybe Shamit's going to get there eventually, like a kind of a proto Redick, but they still had him for 37 minutes in this game. And I also thought it was really nice. There was a moment in this game when Markel Fultz was taking and he made a couple of, a couple of jumpers where I started remembering that, oh, yeah, the original problem that we had with him was how bad he was on defense, including getting just absolutely disappearing on screens, was part of why I compared him to Kyrie Irving at the time. And there were moments in this game where I went, oh, yeah, that's that was his original problem.
0: Yeah, you know, last year when he came in, I mean, I think he was so aware of the fact that he had these limitations that he was much more conscientious on defense. But now that he's playing big minutes, we haven't quite seen the same effort level. He did have uh, one awesome chase down block, which he uh, remains pretty good at, Uh But yeah, he was definitely dying on some screens. The Sixers are going to play conventional pick-and-roll defense more often than not. And Fultz, I mean, had a pretty good statistical game. His best game of the season, 6 out of 9. He actually was finishing around the rim. He he hit an open corner 3 as well off an offensive rebound. He pushed the ball. Uh, hit a couple of jump shots only had one assist but he, he set up a couple of shots that just didn't go down um but yeah on defense he was a liability mcconnell is the superior player mcconnell played at the end of, of both halves and obviously the overtime as well Fultz to finish with 21 minutes but it, an encouraging game and one, I, I mean he was the main reason i wanted to turn in initially because or tune in i should say because i wanted to see what it looked like with him out there without simmons and predictably you know he looked a lot more comfortable and they had a lot more spacing i want to go back to what you said about reddick though you said it it's you know surprising that these teams can't guard it well i think there's a reason for that and that is these new rules. i mean are and he was very effective last year but the new rules he probably benefits more than any player in the entire league from these rules because he is the most tireless off-ball worker in the nba and he's so fast and, and quick too and, and he can get the ball going to to his right for those jumpers he never stops winning he'll if he gets stopped he'll give it up get it back in that dho game can get it into the lane even at times going to his right and force some help even if he's not a huge threat to finish anymore uh but the only guy I've seen to be able to stop him I mean, we've watched three Sixers games now was Marcus Smart I mean even Jalen Braun was struggling with him and and Redick just couldn't hit shots but Braun was was getting beaten over and over again and like if you're in a conventional system and Embiid kind of forces you to be in a conventional system because you don't want to get stuck in a mismatch on him if you can't hold JJ Reddick now like he's really really difficult to stop and, and the guy makes his, his shots I mean to get up 15 three-point attempts is really impressive and You know, a couple times they overreacted to him, uh, or or I shouldn't say overreacted, they just properly reacted because he was hitting, especially when he came in right at the beginning he was beating Langston Galloway uh, pretty badly. So I I think that's going to be something to watch, is like, how effective can he be now? You know, he could be on pace again for the best season of his career, it's just, they need him so badly, again, you just got to wonder about, with him, he might even turn 35 this year, I think, you know, how many minutes can he play? I think it's good for Brown to bring him off the bench, if only because number one he's going to come in going against some backups uh who aren't as prepared for him uh and number two you know he just can't really play more than 30 minutes uh, i don't think and shouldn't if they wanted to be fresh for the playoffs um what else you got in this game well, yeah, some,
1: something i wanted to ask you about this game is the concept of development with markel fultz so there is an argument to be made that you want to start him you want to throw him in the wolves and, and see how it works but i it bothered me a little bit that they did that approach for the start they started him in all of their games so far but then they didn't have him in at the end presumably because they want to win and so i i feel like it's kind of mixed signals they might be justified mixed signals but i i'm not sure how i feel about it so i wanted to ask you
0: yeah i I think this is a reasonably happy medium at this point you know i do think that and they've they've jiggered the rotation this way that anytime simmons isn't in he should be in uh but you know they take him out pretty early usually so I, i think they're doing okay here i mean and Fultz did show some signs in this game. Uh, The jumper has looked better since those first couple of games. You know, and we didn't see Detroit really, and I thought Detroit's defense was pretty terrible in this game. Um, But we didn't see Detroit really just like not guarding him and gumming everything up the way we saw Boston be able to do um and so for him to get an experience against some of these other teams is good and maybe he'll be able to contribute against the good teams by the end of the year although more realistically he probably needs another summer of work on that jumper and you know maybe he still never gets there at that point uh it was good to see him at least finish some shots though um yeah any other observations here before we talk we don't have to do play by play but there's some big plays that stuck out towards the end that we should probably discuss
1: well one thing i'll mention briefly i was hoping to see more of Luke- canard he's i still am intrigued by his yeah. offensive potential and i think the reason he didn't play as much is because he really did struggle defending jj reddick as a lot of a lot of guys do both young and old but especially the young guys just because he's he's a totally different type of animal to deal with
0: yeah uh, although canard didn't play at all uh, against the bulls over the weekend and yeah, that's true uh so i think galloway is just ahead of him in the rotation right now and, you know, I didn't think Galloway looked that good defending Redick in this game either, but I think, you know, he's, he's going to look better than uh, Kennard. And that's something that Kennard is really going to have to improve on. Um, some small little things here. Joel Embiid, that early foul trouble may have decided the game ultimately, although he ended up playing 39 minutes and, and he had another monster game. Only one turnover, which was big for him, although it was a huge turnover. was forced by Zaza in overtime, but he had 33 points, 10 to 20 from the field, 11 to 14 from the foul line seven assists as well which uh, we haven't seen as much of from him and he finally cranked up the defensive effort late um after really you know not being that good early and he even got dunked on in pretty nasty style by Blake Griffin on the fast break uh in part because Blake made a really nice pass fake but also because I think Joel was trying to avoid foul trouble he kind of jumped out of the way a little bit uh but he I mean against everybody who's not the Celtics he continues to look just completely unstoppable and and really being just turbocharged efficient for the first time in his career and. You know, I I thought he really got the better of Drummond. Drummond was 6 out of 20 and just was going at him so hard, but just, you know, getting into his flip shot post-ups and, you know, missing a bunch of tips on the offensive glass and, and just you know he, he did make a couple of nice moves on Embiid and then just couldn't finish and for him to be 6 out of 20 from the field uh including O of 2 from 3 one of those was a heave but the other one was just a trail 3 that he just you know missed by 3 feet and only hit the backboard uh so it wasn't and he also had 5 turnovers which was pretty rough um but all that said Drummond was still the only guy who had a chance to, of guarding Embiid Zaza did have that one strip in overtime but i thought the Sixers actually didn't go to Embiid enough down the stretch once Drummond was out of the game we'll talk about how was that Drummond was out of the game too but uh mb got four fouls on zaza in seven minutes you know and just was able to face up and blow by him the only thing about Embiid right now that's not working is the three pointer uh he is oh actually it was three or five against orlando that's the one game of those i haven't watched so it's actually shooting 33 percent this year but uh was 0 for four in this one despite having some pretty good looks uh any other just general observations here
1: i think we're ready to get to the ending of this game
0: so i think we can talk about drummond's ejection in which And Bede, face up, drove to his left hits a lefty layup and then andre drummond got ejected a one technical ejection uh, i'll correct you there it was a two technical ejection
1: he had a tech from earlier in the game which i think the box score like forgot about but he did have one in like the second okay. quarter he was jawing with the ref so it was a two technical it was a two technical ejection oh, okay. that's why Embiid knew right away
0: oh okay well because um, yeah this the this play-by-play i'm looking the at box score says, has it wrong yeah, says, yeah the play-by-play has it oh, wrong. Oh, okay yeah because i remember them saying that and i figured that i trust the box score of the announcers but apparently uh i was wrong wrong to do so but the ejection like they thought that like somehow he had like taken a swipe at joel and joel like fell down afterwards and then joel just started lobbying for him to get thrown out maybe the rest just like but it was just a completely ridiculous call to make at that point where it's a two-point game how can you make that call when you're not dead sure and why not at least call it like a flagrant foul instead so you could just review it uh, instead of and like the fact that they couldn't go to the monitor on that, I, I'm not sure whether they have the ability to do that just on a technical. Um,
1: I don't think that I don't think they do, and I I don't think even if they did, they would have the ability to rescind it.
0: Yeah, but but that's on, oh
1: we 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 biffed it. Well, but, but, but there's another important it. thing to mention yeah. about this too. Yeah. Wh- wh- oh oh is, yeah, which is what? which is that JJ reddick missed the free throw. Right.
0: Yeah, that was a good ball down line. I mean, maybe Drummond just said something that like, and I'm surprised I didn't see anything about a pool reporter after the game. Uh but yeah maybe drummond just said something and that's why he got ejected that's the only justification i could think of for it but i mean that's certainly i mean at least detroit won so they can't complain about it uh yeah jj missed the technical free throw and then blake griffin in a two-for-one situation made a really difficult uh 10-footer over Embiid. Um, and um and this is after you know some really nice back and forth of Reddick hitting a three reggie jackson driving mcconnell uh, reggie bullock hit hit a, a jumper to put the pistons up and So the Sixers came back down after Griffin tied it up. A couple of misses and then Saric who had a miserable shooting night two for 11 uh, had a wide open three after the Sixers ran some nice action to get Redick open they collapse on him Sharic had a wide open right wing three just couldn't knock it down he's he's struggled uh, on some open shots this season
1: one thing I want to mention the Sixers did something I really liked that was in that in that interim time which is so you said that the the Pistons went for that got that two for one so Blake Griffin tied the game with about 35 seconds left the Sixers had two timeouts left they used their first of their two timeouts moved it moved it moved it across and actually got up a shot quickly enough to make their own two for one. That shot yeah. was a Joel Embiid three that missed, but I still like the decision making there from Brett Brown to give his team an extra chance at it, though it ended up not bearing any fruit.
0: Yeah, so it ended up being a two for two as it turned out, but it was a, still an attempt to get the two for one. Pistons jumped out early with two three-pointers. Ish Smith had a couple of threes in this game. The Pistons closed with Smith and Reggie Jackson together. Uh, Dwayne Casey likes his two point guard lineups. So, that you know, You'll Recall that he was a Mavs assistant under Rick Carlisle, who also liked the two point guard alignments. It brought that to Toronto, where it was very successful. Now, you know they have two quality players, but Smith, I mean, he's never going to be a great three point shooter. His form is just too ugly. It takes him forever to get off. But you know, when teams are just totally leaving him, he's been able to make them pay early in the season. uh But the Sixers roared back, tied the game at, at 128 with Reddick scoring most of those points. Embiid did not score in the overtime and Zaza had one big steal with uh, 57 seconds left I still felt like they should have gone to him more and then after Redick missed a tough jumper tied at 128 with 20 seconds left Redick just fouls Reggie Jackson and I think he thought he either that they were down or that he had a fast break and they he was going to Euro foul and they had a foul to give but neither was the case so he just fouls Reggie Jackson with 20 seconds left And Jackson hits two free throws, but then Redick just makes up for that total bonehead play with a spectacular one.
1: Yeah, I mean, he comes off I, I as I recall it, he came off the screen and then he got hit by Reggie Jackson of, who had just made that shot and makes the shot so it's a 4-point play. So it takes a 2-point deficit to a 2-point
0: lead with only 6 seconds to go in the game yeah and, and the Pistons had a timeout. And and if I may on that play if if you're going to continue uh Redick Jackson I thought did a really nice job of defending him. He knew exactly what he wanted to do, which was come out along the baseline. So, uh Reggie Jackson just basically stood where he he wanted to go and so reddick just sprinted right up uh the lane line instead and Embiid set a semi-illegal screen kind of tripped jackson and then reddick is just so deadly going to his right I mean I think my number one thing about how to defend that DHO would be make him shoot that going to his left instead of going to his right because he really just seems to like that much better uh and especially driving to his right as well off of that play but and then he kind of kicked his leg out and you know but in a natural way it was definitely a foul on Reggie Jackson so Sixers up two with 5.6 left and uh Pistons advanced the ball in the front court they brought in a bunch of shooters around Blake Griffin and uh what did you think of the final play?
1: It looked really familiar because it was one of the more memorable plays at the end of a game last yes. regular season was was Jonas Valanciunas doing a fake DHO, then rolling the lane and getting the buzzer beater dunk on John Henson that should have been an and one and should have ended the game, instead sent that ridiculous one to overtime. I believe Toronto did end up winning that game. I No, no, Giannis, I think, had a crazy save. Maybe the Bucks did win it. I can't remember at this point. But it was the same play, and so I was cracking up because I, I first I thought that happened against the Pistons and I thought that would have been too perfect but no it happened against it happened against Milwaukee but it is a favorite favorite of Dwayne Casey and Blake Griffin is a fantastic person to run that play especially if Amir Johnson misdiagnoses the play and just is nowhere around
0: well a couple things here everybody's running that play now the Warriors ran it against Denver and Draymond Green got to the foul line uh, on the same play and really you know with that amount of time remaining you're probably better off switching but I knew it was going to be trouble I didn't know what play they were going to run but i knew it was gonna be trouble because with 5.6 left brett braun went to the oh we're gonna put our biggest guy on the inbounder with amir johnson but he's guarding reggie bullock and he can't guard reggie bullock he's way too slow for that the inbounder is often the most dangerous player on those plays and i'm not sure whether you know the play was specifically fake dho you know they could have just and especially with a two-point lead you know you don't want to give up a three to reggie bullock coming off of that dho from out of bounds but i saw it i was like there's way too much time like if there's like 1.5 seconds left then yeah put your biggest guy in the inbounder make it a tough pass but There's no way Johnson could stick with him. And so, predictably, Bullock got an advantage on Johnson. That led to a miscommunication where Griffin's man had to jump out on Bullock and Johnson wasn't able to switch on to Griffin. And Griffin goes right to the basket because they had so much spacing. Covington was late coming over. They didn't really have a rim protector available, especially because, you know, the two bigs for the Sixers were out on the floor. They had Embiid, I think, guarding uh, Griffin. And so he goes right in. Then Rubber Covington with the Cardinal Sin. I mean, you're you're desperate to prevent a tying play, but you know, he wasn't in any kind of position to stop him and to give up, you know, a pretty flimsy foul. But you know, you, your problem there too is like you don't want to commit a flagrant either. So uh and I think that's that's a good rule to just prevent a guy from getting killed like that. So maybe he should have just let him go, but you know, it's obviously a very tough situation to be in. You don't want to just give up the tying layup, but at least you know you live to fight another day, potentially. And uh so Griffin gets the and one and And... Uh, makes the free throw he missed his first six and then made his last five uh, all of which were clutch and uh the Sixers tried to run a little flare screen for Joel Embiid but it was pretty well defended and he had to take and miss a a difficult three-pointer to end it
1: so another nice you know a nice win for the Pistons when they can hang their hat on for a little while now and the Sixers you know I I think that there was enough here to to look at without playing with Ben Simmons and you know there were were times in this game when I was really happy with Fultz and I'm still concerned about Sharks. Is shooting like if, if that doesn't go back to what it was last year, the Sixers become easier to defend. But you know, just a really fun game, and I'm thrilled that Griffin have put this together. You know, after our concerns about whether you know he's not the same guy he used to be, he's a different player, and the way that the league has evolved has maybe given him a new lease on relevance.
0: Yeah, and I think what I'd like to see even more of from the Pistons is you know, the 4 1 pick and rolls now uh, to really or four two pick and rolls to get Blake that matchup and let him really get down in the post and bludgeon, especially because he has the ability to shoot that three now uh i I think that that can be pretty effective for them we only saw them go to that a couple of times uh but you know when he has a little bit harder of an individual matchup they might want to go there and the four five pick and roll worked really well i mean I, i still you know we'll see what kind of spacing this team can come up with stanley johnson they didn't really need him in this game he was 0 for 5 uh but you know his role is really he's really their only like defender with any size on the wing but they didn't since ben simmons didn't play they didn't really need him to guard anybody uh, I thought Reggie Jackson you know still doesn't look particularly spry but he's been aggressive with the three-point shot that's looked pretty good for him uh, but important to remember I mean this is actually somewhat analogous to when they started 4-0 and last year with Griffin with every win at home versus the team on the second night of a back-to-back and most of them being close like they've had, they're 3-0 and but they've won by what a combined like six points over the Nets at home the Bulls uh, and then the Sixers without Ben Simmons so and a bunch of other injuries as well so i'm not gonna say like you know they probably should have been favored to win all of those games now they do have three wins in the bank which is nice but i'm not gonna totally change my tune i I think if i had to guess i would say they're gonna beat the 36 wins that i picked them for although they haven't had any injuries set in either you know if, if griffin goes down they're in big trouble uh zaza is not a good option as a backup center you know the sixers weren't gonna stress them out as far as like you know making zaza play pick and roll defense or anything like that so uh and i did think that griffin was pretty bad defensively in this game. You know, they don't really. Uh, this was an offensive game to be sure, but I, I'm not sure I believe in this team's defense very much at this point.
1: And the Pistons will have a clarifying stretch at the end of October, beginning of November, where they go an Atlantic Division road trip: Boston, Brooklyn, Philly. Home for one game against Miami, which is brutal, and then out to Orlando and Atlanta. So I think they'll do well on the second kind of leg of that trek, but then the first one will be clarifying with Boston and Philly and Brooklyn. You know, and the. Brooklyn, a tough thing for, for Detroit in this is they face the weakest team as the tail end of a back-to-back. So you would go, if you're thinking about the schedule in the abstract, you would say, oh, that's the easiest one. But those can often be challenging games for teams, especially early in the season. They'll be their first back-to-back of the whole year.
0: Something else that's challenging is credit card debt or unexpected repairs, or medical expenses. Sometimes a little money can make a big difference. You can get it at LendingClub.com, which gives you access to low rates on loans of up to $40,000 for almost any purpose. It's easier than going to a bank, and they offer lower rates than high-interest credit cards. Go to LendingClub.com, enter the amount you need, and you can see if you're approved in just minutes. And then the money can be in your account in just days. They've been at it now for more than 10 years, helping millions of people with over $31 billion in loans take charge of your finances today with lending club go to lendingclub.com club.com slash cap space he's slash cap space we talk about all the time the program you can check your rate for free and checking your rate won't impact your credit score once again lendingclub.com com slash cap space lending slash cap space all loans made by web bank member fdic equal housing lender let them know with that slash cap space url that you came from us where do you want to go next can i go with the oh, big yeah.
1: picture can i go with the big picture insight on the clippers pelicans game yes i haven't What i will admit i hadn't watched a ton of of either of these teams yet, but I watch bits and pieces because they're both teams I, I enjoy watching. And what struck me about this game was that I thought both teams played below the level that they played most of this season so far. But I think that made me actually feel better about their viability this season. And I'll clarify that. And so what I mean is, the Pelicans didn't have everything go right. Nikola Mirotic didn't hit six of eight threes. Julius Randle had a had a good game. I mean, Anthony Davis was still ridiculous. Drew Holiday struggled from the field, and yet they still beat a capable team and the Clippers you know this wasn't Boban going crazy he got exposed a little bit in one minute never really came in Avery Bradley had a weird game Shea was fine and they still were competitive against a team that I fully expect to make the playoffs in the West and so it happens sometimes we're just saying they're going okay these teams are going to be able to go through battles and make it out the other side more often than not it's just that they were facing a capable opponent so it was a little harder on them.
0: Yeah, and the biggest difference in this game was Anthony Davis plays the New Orleans Pelicans and the Clippers uh, for all their depth and the number of solid players that they have really had no answers for him whatsoever and they're particularly thin up front you mentioned that uh, Boban negative four in one minute Gortat got the Keith Bogans he was negative 13 in 12 minutes mantras harrell actually maybe you could argue could have played more he had 12 points and was plus 7 in 23 minutes but they spent a lot of this time especially in the fourth quarter as they were trying to come back with gallo and harris as the two quote-unquote bigs tobias harris and then with three guards in the lineup they played in Bob Mute a little bit there too but when you see teams go to these ultra small lineups and you would think I'd be like oh yeah go small go small that's what we're all about well not as much here I mean they were down I I think they kind of just needed to try something to jolt the game a little bit because the Pels were pulling away in the mid third quarter into the fourth they're up by 10 basically uh, for most of that time after a 32-22 third quarter but going small works when you have a bunch of players who have some size or some if not rim protecting instinct help instincts you know if you have a pj tucker or a draymond green so someone who at least like thinks like a helper you know danilo gallinari and tobias harris are very nice offensive players and they both had really good games in this one but neither of those guys is going to be able to provide any kind of help whatsoever and so you know they're trying to front they're trying to switch they did at least take away the three-pointer the pels only guy up 24 threes which is a lot fewer than they've been getting uh and, and they made only 25% of them both teams shot 25% from 3 but the, that was a uh just stark contrast when the Pels have Davis out there even you know Randall and Miritich are are, you know more traditional bigs than the Clippers were able to get out there um what do you think of like how Avery Bradley looked I I haven't seen him have much effect uh even on defense and offense you know he's been relatively uh underwhelming too so far this year
1: it's a growing concern for me I do definitely want to watch him more before making any big pronouncements but you know this he doesn't to me look like the guy that I hope that he would be after last year, you know, such a lost year with the groin issues and he's sitting there going, oh man, if he could be what he was, that would be such a useful piece for them even though they're starting Avery Bradley, or starting Patrick Beverly as the other guard and he gets after it defensively, they could, this kind of attack dog mentality defensively especially with the limitations they have at the big man spot defensively, but he just hasn't really brought it to me on either end of the floor and they have other options, but I'm not sure they want any of the other options starting at the two, at least at the moment, so so they'll probably stick with Bradley for now but I would say at this point from what I've seen he's the weak spot in the rotation and he's the harder one to replace like if Gortat Harrell could supply Gortat pretty easily if they wanted to go that direction Gortat can be a backup you can use Boban all those sorts of things but unless they want to move Shea up there isn't really a cohesive way because Tobias Harrison Daniel Gallinari are not going to chase around two guards for a whole night
0: yeah and, and Lou Williams I mean they in theory some of the hope was well Bradley and beverly uh who've been starting for them can make up for some of their defensive deficiencies elsewhere that hasn't really been the case but you know if bradley is going to continue shooting like this he's eight out of 31 on the season and one out of 10 from three uh in four games and he definitely you know he was being taken when he'd be taken out of the game he'd kind of be shaking his head you know he's and he's got money on the line for next year with that non-guarantee it was hoping i'm sure to to come back it didn't seem like he really wanted to come back to the clippers but because they had his bird rights and there just wasn't any other kind of a market out there for him. you remember people were talking about him getting 20 million a year from the Sixers as the missing piece for them uh so yeah and, and he has not made the defensive impact it really just didn't show up like you didn't notice that he was out there on the floor in any way so that'll be something to monitor for him uh ad worth just talking about his line here 34 points even if as he only shot 10 out of 15 from the foul line but five offensive rebounds five blocks he had five blocks through 29 minutes in this game uh the clips on the other hand just no rim protection at all we talked about that a, a little bit uh julius randall had another monster game with 18 points in 22 minutes although he did foul out uh on uh, some decent calls, some questionable calls, but he just five and nine from the field, seven to seven from the foul line. Another team that really just have no one to deal with Julius Rand I mean, he's looking like uh, he and Redick are, are looking like the early favorites for six man. Although I'm sure I'm forgetting someone. I haven't looked at all the stats, but I mean, for the Pels to win with Drew Holiday two of fifteen, going six out of twenty four from three, uh, was pretty impressive. And Nikola Mirotic was 0 for six from three, but he again was able to get some work done from two. I mean, I wonder when the last time was that he made seven two point shots. Uh, what have you? think of what you've seen from alfred payton so far this year
1: he's been better than i expected does a lot of his damage in transition which is a great fit i mean just when they get stops and they've they've had some some nice defensive runs in this then he could he can get out there and then i think teams aren't attacking his payton's weaknesses aggressively enough yet that might end up being more of a playoff thing than a regular season thing just because teams don't have these specific scouting reports he is the he is the like what like the eighth pelican probably the seventh pelican on your scouting report because he's certainly behind Julius Randle so talented you know talented player to be sure but they had they have all these other options there that are focused the attention so he's been fine and defensively that I have I haven't seen as much of the limitations of going with Peyton and Holiday together I've always thought it would be nice to put pair somebody a little bit bigger with Drew because he then you can be a little bit more versatile but it's worked out pretty well one other guy I want to single out I, it's this happens for me sometimes with each one more but also with other guys where I thought he hit more than two three-pointers in this game because the two he hit were very important yes they were both a part of that big run they went on it was I think it was 21 to 4 he had i think it was like he he bookended that run i believe with a three that that tied the game and then one that really pushed the margin out there and i just love what he can do for this team and each one more to me more of a two than a three he's played that role now for them for for a while now and he's just really excelling in a an unheralded spot that we thought was going to be a big problem area for them
0: yeah getting back to payton he had 20 points he had three steals as well it's good see him being more active in the passing lanes i think he he looked really good that way as a rookie and then it had kind of gotten away from that uh he still can't get over a screen you mentioned attacking his weaknesses the clippers did do pretty well with a set where they had Danilo, they got the ball into the post just for passing purposes, and then they had Gallinari setting a back screen for whoever Payton was guarding. And then if they helped on the back screen, Gallinari was able to just pop out for the jumper, or they got a couple of layups going back door. I thought Beverly actually, in contrast to Bradley, he's coming off, a, in theory, a more severe injury. But Beverly, with that meniscus repair, looks pretty good. He had 12 points, 8 assists, 10 rebounds, and he was a guy who you noticed more you know going after loose balls pressuring up defensively just sort of being a general irritant uh, than maybe you did uh, with bradley uh shea gilgis alexander came back to earth a little bit uh, but you know still looked okay there's one notable sequence where he beat anthony davis with one of his patented lefty scoop shots and then he tried the same move on him like the next possession and ad just like completely swallowed him whole uh and uh i think that's about all i've got uh, oh w- one more thing too uh the clippers seem to be re- watch for this when you watch their games this is the first time i noticed it they seem to really be teaching faking a jump shot getting the guy in the air and even if they can't draw the foul giving it up and then immediately cutting back door when their man is kind of just moving towards them they got a couple of nice buckets that way but I-, I saw a lot of the clippers trying to do that so that might be something that they're just teaching now uh so that'd be interesting to watch for uh all right yeah i think that's all i got on this one unless you uh yeah i'll
1: mention i think incidentally i think boston does that too yeah not as much as the clippers do but and it's not like there's a, a big connection between doc and brad stevens but it's it's a good process because you're getting somebody going the wrong direction
0: all right we can finish up here with the kings and Nuggets. Sacramento, brilliant win on the road in Oklahoma City. De'Aaron Fox has had a wonderful start to the season. My biggest observation in this one on the Kings was that he really crashed back to earth. In this one, he was negative 22, six points, two of eight. But even more so, I felt that he just didn't come to play at all defensively. You know, he really made bad decisions uh on defense you know things like not boxing out just letting a guy go right in trey lyle's go right in for a tip dunk then the next possession he gets lyle's on a switch and goes a ridiculous gamble for a steal 20 feet from the basket that had no chance and gives up another dunk uh you know not like anyone helped him at all uh Anytime he got posted up, he just was kind of giving up, getting destroyed or committing a foul. Just lots of bad gambles on the perimeter. I think, you know, he's, he, he if you he looked at the film, you know, he's a a very kind of heady young player. And I don't know whether it was the altitude or just, you know, he, he just wasn't engaged in the game mentally on the defensive end. He didn't make good decisions on offense. He wasn't the same force pushing the ball. Uh, the Kings, just in general, their transition defense was atrocious in this game. Like every miss by the Kings turned into a Nuggets fast break it seemed like they only had 18 fast break points but a lot of those came in in the first quarter when the nuggets surged out to a lead and then uh, they really just steadily outscored the kings and they were up by 20 midway through the third and uh that was pretty much the game but it got a few more observations but what are your general thoughts
1: some real highlight plays from marvin bagley in this one yeah he defensively I, he looked better than i than i expected and this wasn't quite the same thing In in the preseason there was some hype around his block totals and I was a little bit not bothered but a lot of those were him being underneath the rim and just like making a play on the guy who's driving these were a little bit more versatile blocks there was one where he was kind of trailing the play I I I think it was on Monty Morris I can't remember exactly who it was on and he kind of caught him with a block which is a a nice play especially if Bagley's going to be at power forward I still think defensively his best position is center also had some nice finishes and so yeah I thought I thought this there he's been very up and down so far this year but this was definitely an up for him
0: yeah I mean he does have one of the quickest second jumps that you're ever gonna see and it showed off one time when Trey Lyles faked him out of his shoes on an up and under and Bagley jumped landed and then jumped again before Lyles could even get off the floor and blocked his shot that was awesome he even had some pretty aware help plays like there's one play where uh they're trying to topside Monty Morris and, and Jokic through a beautiful backdoor pass and, and Bagley actually came down from the free throw line and you know stopped morris from taking the shot so he's shown more awareness than i thought he would even in summer league we were saying that he looked a little bit better uh, than expected defensively Uh, he's got a long way to go it's also amazing how much he's able to get done with just like so so left-handed i mean he's like Demontis sabonis style left-handed and but he's way more explosive than sabonis and and you know even sabonis like he's able to be pretty efficient with that one hand i think once guys realize just how left-handed he is he, he might have a few more problems but even when guys are sitting on his left hand he just goes further left and he's able to just jump over them and around them uh you you know the straight post-ups don't work that well you know because he's always going to go right shoulder anytime he gets stuck going left shoulder I mean he's just bringing the ball right back into the defense and just has to throw up some crap it always looks really bad but no I, I think he's actually exceeded my expectations uh, early in the season uh but Denver just uh, continuing to play extremely well they're four and zero. although they've had three home games but I mean, I think one of the things that I had said is, oh, I don't trust them to go over in the over-under podcast because they don't take care of business necessarily. Like their defense is bad enough that, you know, bad teams could be in any game, but they just have completely throttled Phoenix and the Kings, the two bad teams that they've played so far at home. And they continue to defend pretty well. I mean, the defense wasn't as good in this one. The Kings got back into it late uh, to make it a respectable 14-point Loss after trailing by 24 after three. So I, I'm still not buying the Nuggets on defense yet. This is only four games. uh The Warriors shot extremely poorly against them in that game the other day. Their individual defenders, I think, are just not quite good enough. Uh, and when they're going up against teams that have like really good players or, and really good pick and roll attacks, you know, they haven't really faced that quite yet. But, you know, they're still going to put Jokic in space. We haven't seen a team do a ton of that yet. Uh, Jamal Murray is only okay at best, but they do have Millsap and Craig. Craig, uh, you know, I, I worry about his offense, but Millsap was excellent and then Millsap uh had one of his better offensive games in a while with 15 points on 11 shooting possessions uh because he was really just able to go through everyone that the Kings had. The Kings, you know, generally the only pure power forward they're playing at the four is Bagley, they're starting Bealitza at the four, but uh Millsap was able to just go right through him. Uh anyone else who uh stuck out to you in this game
1: yeah i wanted to give a little bit of mention to another efficient night from gary harris yeah 18 points 8 of 12 from the field had a few really nice drives to the basket and i i just really like him as a complimentary piece and that might be selling him short i'm open to the possibility that he can be that he can be more than that but i I just i think he's a good player i think he fits really well with this team and with jamal murray both those guys can handle the ball both those guys initiate and the those two and Jokic. i think you have a lot that you can work with there and now they just need to figure out the best path at those two forward spots and the other thing we should mention on the nuggets in general is the news that while it looked really bad i didn't see it and 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 then there was an early diet prognosis that might have been better will barton had surgery i believe it was on tuesday for an adductor muscle and he's expected to be out five six weeks and it might even be beyond that it's you know they're gonna have to see where it goes and so he's being reevaluated in
0: six weeks so that means reevaluated yeah, so that okay. means that means I
1: mean, like eight or ten yeah
0: like that reevaluation would be okay you can start like ramping up your activities so yeah i mean i think it's, and, and yeah. it also the he had like a core muscle injury as well so this mm-hmm. I mean, that, that might be like a hernios about it definitely does not sound good and it seems like one of those things like you know is he going to be able to come back and really uh you know be himself and that's probably the biggest eh, i mean they're not that deep anyway i mean uh, but it's one of the bigger positions they couldn't afford an injury at and you know craig uh I think good teams are going to not guard him as much he's he's two for nine from three so far on the year uh but he gets left open all the time uh you'll know, we'll see wh- whether Wancho plays his three-pointer hasn't looked uh, amazing Trey Lyles is getting some more minutes now as well uh, a couple more notes that uh, Jamal Murray finally broke out he was 0 for 8 against the Warriors uh, in their win but he basically uh, ended the game with 11 straight points in the third quarter including two really tough step back threes off of Willie Cauley Stein switches um and then for the Kings Iman Shumpert. and I Actually looks really good he had 24 against the thunder in that wind he looks much thinner like just good to see him be able to get healthy he's had lower body issues these last couple of years uh but remember he was a very valuable player and, and got that pretty good contract after the 2015 finals and then he's kind of you know hasn't been able to contribute as much since then but his three ball looks quicker he was two of five uh, from three in this game uh, as well um and, and you know is probably the best defensive guard that they have remember bogdanovich is out right now it will be interesting to see what happens there the kings you know again they're starting whether you want to call shumpert or healed the three i mean there's a lot of teams that just like the nuggets or another one that just like don't really have a three and so when both teams don't have a three you can just start three guards and that's you know another reason why you're going to see some of these huge offensive totals um Harry Giles has looked really bad so far this year. He has a PER of 1. Right now, he's had some staggeringly bad plus-minuses. He was negative 20 in 14 minutes. And he really, he was 0 for 6. His usage is 25, but he really has no way to create efficient offense. It's either going to be a mid-range 2, or it's going to be trying to post up. But he doesn't have, like, great explosion, great strength, or great moves in the post. You know, he kind of, like, maneuvers into, like, a hook shot that's pretty contested from 10 feet. And so... Scal only played five minutes. He had some moments in the preseason. I I think Scal might deserve more of a look than Giles at, at this point. Um, justin jackson has had some nice scoring games uh, as well he and he did in this one with 17 points he's been able to pick up where he left off scoring wise in summer league although he's not a, an amazing defensive option for them and uh
1: yeah sacramento yeah. has this dynamic again where the margin between their starters and their backups is narrower than almost every other team part of the reason also their start their backups had good plus minuses in this game is because there was some garbage time towards the end i mean they did narrow the margin and then you know kind of changed it a little bit, but but it was, you know, I, I thought it was functionally over for a lot of the fourth quarter. But, you know, having Frank Mason, Yogi Farrell, Bagley when he's on one of those up days, that, that's a lot for, for that. And I mean, their starting quality, especially without Bogdanovich right now, is is lower than just about every team in the league. So we'll see where it goes over the course of the season. And I want to talk about this on the 15 and 60. But the single biggest storyline other than De'Aaron Fox for this team is where all of these big guys they have. They have this just cavalcade of, of bigs most of them being very young, other than Zach Randolph, who's not playing. And where do these guys slot in on a better team? Like, when, if the Kings get better, like they hope to, and it's going to take a while to figure out where all these guys fit in, but at least they have a lot of them, I guess.
0: You mentioned that Zach Randolph isn't playing he hasn't played a minute I don't know if he's even been active for a game yet uh and you know James ham said on uh, the preview pod that we did way back in August that he wasn't gonna play it all this year and that certainly was correct and uh boy I mean nobody has parlayed a shittier offseason into a, a new job better than Scott Perry I mean he's they've got Randolph just completely dead money for 12 million this year and they were you know basically the worst team in the league last year with him George Hill had to be traded they picked up Shepard's actually playing well but they to take him on, it was dead salary. Uh so I mean that was just like everyone was like, Oh, that's such a great off season, like the king's gonna be respectable." Like, no, that was awful, and great job by hip getting out of there before it became apparent, like how awful that was. Um, let me see if I have anything else here. Can we call that a version of the George Costanza exit? Yeah. <laughs> Um, Willie Cauley Stein looks better. He's really improved his finishing yeah. around the rim, which was a major weakness for him. He just had no touch. He's hitting like lefty hooks now. He's able to actually take a couple of dribbles uh, and do some stuff. You trust him to finish around the rim when they throw it to him. uh And then Mason Plumlee remains one of my least favorite players in the NBA to watch because he just like he tries to post up so often. Like he posts up like more often than Jokic does. And, and you know, it, like you're just taught as a guard when someone posts up and demands the ball, to throw it to him. But like then he like tries to make these moves and then there's a bunch of times where he's posting up and he's just like right in the way of superior players uh it's just all right if he wants to like handle the ball up top and like do some dhos okay that's great but like just go just go run some pick and roll get out of the post mason like you're not good at it and, and this is a great offense like he's taking possessions out of the hands of, of guys who are much much better than he is
1: it will be a little bit harder for them to generate offense just with i this so this is the with the will barton thing not necessarily because if tory craig is there you know it doesn't really change much about their second unit offense but just now they're all at risk of any further injuries changing up the rotation even more so they're gonna they're gonna need a lot from the guys they have and hopefully at some point they're gonna get isaiah we don't know when that's going to be but you know maybe plumley thinks he needs to take on a lot of that load but i'd rather see trey lyles have the ball more often i think he's capable and then you know they can they can go in other other directions as well but yeah it's weird that i guess i am the one with less mason plumley vitriol at the moment that feels weird to me
0: uh also a cool thing about denver i mentioned their fast break part of that is facilitated by the fact that whoever gets the rebound even if it's Jokic or milsap just has permission to bring the ball up And i think that kind of keeps guys engaged it's just fun to bring the ball up but also it lets the smalls if it's clear that they're going to get the rebound those guys can just take off you know they don't need to wait back to get the outlet pass necessarily if those guys can just take off towards half court if the hit ahead pass to half court is there they can throw it or you know Jokic or or milsap can just push the ball up instead so i think that's really helping uh their fast break game all right i think that's uh about it here anything we got to talk about before we go
1: no not really i mean we could tell people that the twitter nba show will be back on thursday for those that would prefer having the two of us talk about a game as opposed to tnt announcers you can enjoy that
0: yeah and also don't forget about our patreon we got ad-free versions of the show now you can sign up at patreon.com slash they go up a little bit later usually early in the morning east coast that's when liam uh wakes up you know it would be 3 23 a.m for him right now as i'm saying this so not realistic for him to do that before we put it up at the normal time here but uh and of course you get so much more at patreon as well patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue and we'll talk to you tomorrow till then